Hello, everybody. My name is Robert P., compulsive overeater, food addict. Thank you, Nancy. Thank you, everyone doing service at this meeting and everyone that's here tonight. Um, I am a 100-pounder. I qualify as a 100-pounder. Um, I have released with OA and my higher power um, now over 375 pounds. Um, tried many different ways prior to OA and um, treatment to do that and was unsuccessful. And I have been abstinent now, imperfectly, um, for over three and a half years. And uh, primarily for me, that's no flour, no sugar, and a couple other trigger foods, and weighing and measuring my food. So recently, yesterday actually, this is about the time about five years ago I was introduced to recovery very abruptly, my recovery journey. It started in another program. Um, I was, well, 35 years old. I was 35 years old. I've been overweight my whole life. I think I was over 300 pounds when I graduated high school, tried everything, you know, um, very early on was on diet, different exercise plans, all that kind of stuff. Didn't didn't work for me, and I thought it was uh, something wrong with me because it's not that I wasn't trying. I was trying every way I knew how. I just didn't know how, and I had to get to that point, and it took many years later until I got to that point. Um, recently, like I said, I've been reflective about five years ago, and I was talking to a mentor of mine yesterday, and he said, you know, I'm – figuring out that I'm more grateful for my fall than I am my recovery. And it took me a minute, but I was like, exactly, because without my fall, and it was a big fall, you guys, without this fall, I wouldn't have my recovery. It took that. It took my higher power putting me face down, you know, or flat on my back looking up, and that's the only way I have was to look up. And... um so, like I said, it was another program that got me introduced to OA. So, overweight my whole life, like I said, eating around five years old for something other. I can remember that memory, eating other than, um, you know, what food's used for. I was using to escape. I was using to numb out. I was using not to feel. That was it. I didn't want to feel. I had a very traumatic, violent upbringing, and it was my escape. And... um really my everything, right? And I was isolating and I was isolating myself. And it worked. It worked. It worked till it didn't work anymore. And um, I would say it was my late 20s, early 30s when health stuff really started catching up. You know, I, I developed an ulcer on my leg. I was getting to a point where I was going to lose my leg. I think that would scare me to lose weight. I mean, it scared me. I just couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it. And um, no matter what, I had lap band surgery. I was cheating from day one. That didn't work. Um, I work in healthcare, and I, you know, was working at the hospital, and I could barely walk around. I was so short of breath. I round on different areas of the hospital, on patients all over the hospital, and I could barely get around. And, um, but I was just in so much denial 
And I also, I say this too, it's also more of a defeat because I knew, I was like, Robert, you're going to live until you're 34. Like that was the number in my head. It got as high as 36. I was like, of course, you're not going to live longer than that. I know. I mean, there's, you cannot keep this up. You know, by that point, 2014, 2000, no, 2012, I had a ruptured appendix emergent. They had to go and do surgery. They didn't know it was a ruptured appendix, right? Because they couldn't do a CT on me because I didn't fit on the machine. So he just had to go in and look around and get the appendix out. So that was kind of the start. And then he did a lap band a couple of years later. That didn't work. And um, in 2016, I had perforation bowel and I had three surgeries. This is all a consequence of my compulsive overeating food addiction. And also my leg, you know, I was going to lose the leg. So I'm in the hospital, three surgeries within a year. Poor healing because I'm malnourished, right? Even though I'm overweight, I'm malnourished because I'm not getting a lot of nourishment or nourishing foods. And so the healing did not um, heal properly. I, I just didn't heal properly. And it was a poor healing and it was lots of pain. And um, that is when cross addiction um, kicked in for me, right? The food had always been there. That was my number one addiction to this day. It took me a long time to get to this point, but it, it is my number one addiction. It is the addiction I have to keep the most eye on. I have to do the most work. I have to stay the most connected. It's my core, my core addiction. But with the pain of the surgery, I did develop uh, addiction to pain medication. It took me down quick. You know, within a year, it took me down really quick. And it developed quickly into IV medication. And that is how I got into the treatment to where somebody told me about OA. But when I developed this addiction, and my food addiction was so progressed, right? So this took off quick. And I knew I was going to die. And I was okay with that because nobody could figure out Nobody could know. This had to be, nobody could know. I had so much shame. That was my identity. My identity was going to work, coming home, isolating and binging. That was it. I was good at work. And then I was good at binging and isolating at home. And that's what I did. It was an existence. It wasn't life. It was an existence. You know, at this point, I'm up to around 500 pounds, I think, around this point in my story. And, um, yeah, I, I was feeling medication. I got caught at work and I was forced to go to rehab. When I say forced, I didn't want to go. There was a lot of anger early on in all my addictions. I didn't want to go, but I went to save my job. I was suicidal. I tried to, that's the first time I heard my higher power was the day I was um, suspended from work pending an investigation. I was sitting there and I was about to end it all. And I had, I had a contingency plan because I knew it was going to go south and it went south. And um, it was this voice saying, just don't do it, Robert, just don't. And then stuff just started happening. A phone call from a friend I've never, phone call from somebody at work. I never even knew had my phone number. It really was God. It really was my higher power. And um, anyway, it led me to a path to get into 
treatment for the drug. Well, the last day, it was one of the last days when I was about to get out of treatment. It was uh, outpatient, intensive outpatient treatment. One of the nurses gave me a brochure for Overeaters Anonymous. I was angry. I was very angry. How dare you think me sitting here at 500 pounds has an issue with food, right? Like, how dare you? And um, it was a lot of anger. But I went. You know, a people pleaser. I'm very much a people pleaser. So I went to the meeting to, you know, I, I will do what you want me to do, you know, and all that kind of stuff. Still looking for, with the drugs anyway, I was like, well, I'll look for the food, the same thing. I'm looking for the graduation date, right? Where's the diploma? Let's do this. Done with recovery. Move on, right? Doesn't work that way. Found that out. And um, I went to my first OA meeting and I was looking for, I would ask everybody, so what do you eat? Like, what's the diet plan? They're like, I'll just keep coming back, keep listening. I'm like, no, no, no. I need to know what the plan is because I need to ace this. Like, we need to know. No, no, you'll just keep coming back. So that, you know, angered me a little bit because I just didn't understand it. And I just couldn't get abstinent in um, a way alone initially. I couldn't without extra support. I, I would go to meetings, you know, I would pick the meetings, depending on what fast food restaurants I could go to on the way there, I would pick that kind of stuff. And I would binge before and I would binge after. And I, I wasn't telling anybody. And um, uh, finally, I was at least six months clean and sober. And my therapist looked at me and said, you know, Robert, and I'm gaining, I'm gaining now over 100 pounds, right? Because I put the drugs down and now the food is right, is, front and center again, and it's going off like crazy. And um, she looked at me and she said, you know you're not in recovery, right? I mean, you know you're not in recovery. And I was like, that is ridiculous. Like, <laughs> that is ridiculous. I mean, I may have used some other words, but I was angry and I said, you've got to be kidding me. Of course I'm in recovery. I have a list. You want to hear my list? I have a sponsor. I am a sponsor. I go to meetings. So you're not in recovery because you're using the food. Your addiction is still active. You know, you're just white-knuckling with the other stuff. You're just not. And she was right. I was angry, but she's right. And um, she said, uh, we need to find uh, treatment for you. And she wanted treatment. Her qualification or, you know, stipulations or whatever were needs to identify it as a food addiction because you have a compulsive eating, but you also are addictive to certain foods. And it needs to work the 12 steps. And that, that was a hard to find. Then this was what you know four years ago. It was hard. It was hard to find a place like that, and we found a place. And I didn't want to go, of course. And I was like, I can't go. I can't take this time off work. And um, and it ended up being one week, and it was a week I was already off. And I was like, well, it's going to be too expensive. And I had exactly amount of money in my savings account. And I finally looked up. I got. I was like, fine, I'll freaking go. I'll go. I'll go. And I went. And I had my first taste of abstinence. I, I was abstinent. I walked in that room. Everybody was a normal weight. Most people. There was one other person, but I was definitely the largest. And I was like, oh, this is like this is crap. Like no one understand will understand me. And yeah, when I started hearing the story, so if I just shut my mouth was all this weight these people have lost and kept it off and the and the food neutrality that they have where the food doesn't call them and this life they're living now that they couldn't imagine before and this peace they have. And I was like, oh, shut up, Robert. Sit down and listen. There's something here. I never had 
never heard this kind of success in any overweight meeting, right? Like overeaters not never heard this kind of success in support meetings for the gastric bypass or the gastric surgeries, right? The bariatric surgeries. So it really made me open my ears. And um and I listened and I was abstinent for that week. And I got back and I relapsed. And I relapsed. And I relapsed. And I started going back to old behaviors but that didn't work. So the new behavior was be honest and just stay connected, no matter what. No matter what. Like just no matter what's happened, be honest and stay connected. And so I remember ordering like and I know I've told this story, but um over two hundred dollars worth of groceries, junk, all junk. And I called somebody in program and I said, Listen, just wanna let you know, ordered all this stuff, gonna eat it. Just wanted to let you know because I was told my sponsor said that's what I have to do if this happens. So he said, Great. Are you willing to throw it away? <laughs> I don't know, but there was a part of me, I was angry, but I was like, Yeah, I mean I guess so. I don't want to. So he stayed on the phone with me, I throwed it away I threw it away and he said, Well, what are you going to do now? I said, well, it's going to go to a freaking meeting. He's like, okay, well, go to your freaking meeting and we'll talk after. I was like, okay. So up until that point, I had been working the steps, kind of, sort of, right? Step two and three, I was like, I believe in God. I grew up with a God, whatever. But the God that I <laughs> grew up with, I was angry at and I didn't trust. Not a good combination to give, you know, to surrender to. So that's why that didn't work. And I remember getting on the getting ready for the meeting, getting on my knees on the bathroom floor, yelling up, swearing, saying, if you think you can do this, I'll give you one shot. And honestly, I don't don't know how it happened, but I've been abstinent from sugar and flour from that point on. Not abstinent. I would still binge and I was still doing all that stuff. It was several months later, I went to a three-day weekend and um, that was January, this past January, three years ago. And I've been abstinent from sugar and flour and cheese is one of my triggers since then. A way to measure my food, perfectly imperfect. And um, yeah, it, you know, it's not, it's it's not been perfect. And yeah, I've had flips. I, I don't, I don't want to not say that I have. But I'm honest, I'm, I'm, you know, transparent around everything that happens. And it's taking my, Robert's control out of the way. I'm not controlling. Five minute food. reminder. I'm not, thank you. Thank you very much. Um, it, it takes me out of the equation, right? So if I am, said I was going to have an apple for lunch, but we're out of apples, that's fine. But. I can't make the decision myself and stay sane because it's almost better. I was telling a friend of mine that was flipping, it's almost better is if I change the apple for an orange and everything and I started having all these food thoughts, right, and going crazy in my head. It's worse for me if I do that and everything's fine because then my disease kicks in. Well, you were able to do that. You can do this and you don't have to weigh that and you can, you know, eat this. I mean, that really wasn't a trigger. It, it's insanity. And um, 
I, I do want to say, you know, where I am today is um, beyond my wildest dreams. I, I did not know I'd be here. Everything that happens with the physical weight loss, being able to weigh in stores, fit in cars, not break furniture, you know, um, all that stuff. But it is the inner peace that I have, the food neutrality. The food doesn't call me food that I and I was dramatic about it, but it was real to me. I was like, I can't live without these foods. I, and you might be there right now. I can't live without this. How am I going to have a birthday? How am I going to have a Christmas without this certain food? How am I going to do that? It's impossible. And I, if it's there, I'm just going to eat it. And I just don't. Are there thoughts like that looks really good that that person's eating? Yeah, but it I can play it all the way through. I can't have one bite. I'm the only one that needs to know that. I can't. And I feel like sometimes, especially celebrations, especially at work, it's people's mission in life to try to get us to have something. Like, have a piece of this. You can have just a bite. I I can't. I can't. And I have to know that. Um, just like I can't, you know, drink alcohol or a drug addict can't do drugs, any of that. I cannot have my trigger foods. And it's hard to see. It is more difficult for a food addict to try to figure that out, right? Because we do have to eat different tri foods, trigger different things. It's the same receptor in the brain. That's the dopamine response. And that's a little bit of a journey. But what I do today, and now I'm getting close on time here. So I just want to kind of say what I do today. I weigh and measure my food. I commit my food to my sponsor at nighttime. Um, I send her a little thing. And I'm pretty sure I didn't remember it until now. I'm pretty sure I've heard it at this meeting um, when I've shared before, um, spoken before and somebody shared. What I do now is I've always done my check-in. Like I send her my food and I say what my disturbances are that day because that's very important. Like she's like, your disturbances, like get them out. We can't afford this stuff to build up. But then I do gratitudes and I heard it at this meeting and never heard, and I've, I've done it ever since. And it's been over a year at least. But I do three gratitudes now. One gratitude, something I'm grateful to my higher power for that day. Second gratitude is something I'm grateful to somebody else that did something today for me. And third thing, something I'm grateful for myself, what I'm grateful for myself for today. And so I send those, and that has really kind of changed my recovery a little bit, you know. And I also, in the morning, I pray and I, I meditate. And I do a couple daily readings. I I uh, go to meetings. I try to do service when I can. And um, I sponsor. Right now, I, I don't have any sponsors, any sponsees. I've lost a couple. And I do want to say this is a serious disease. I didn't know I was going to go here, but it is. Because recently, it was a very young man in his 20s. He died. And if this disease is as serious as any other. And um, and today I want to live. And I believe that's why we're here at this meeting tonight is because we, we, we want to live. And we want to live a life that, you know, we deserve. And it, it is beyond my wildest dreams. And I'm so grateful. And... Um, I'm so grateful. I'm just grateful to be alive because I've turned 40 years old last month and I never thought I would be to this point. 
And um, I just want to end um, by expressing my gratitude for... Central time. Thank you. Yeah, perfect. I just want to uh, share my gratitude for not only being for being asked to speak tonight, for actually being able to be here with all of you all. And with that, I will end my share. And my name is Robert P. I'm on Eastern Standard Time. I prefer a text first, just so I know you're with OA. But my number is 229-395-6565, Eastern Standard Time. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Robert. Would you like to suggest a topic? I think gratitude. gratitude. Okay. Very good. Thank you. <laughs> 